Legion of Dogs, your free resource for multi-dog living. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this month's Legion of Dogs podcast. Chris and I were just chatting about what it's like living with a dog who has anxiety in a multi-dog home and how that affects everyone because she, she kind of has some of that going on. <laughs> Today, I'm going to talk to you about Commander Riker. He is my little American Eskimo dog. And he came to me, um, I brought him home when he was a year and a half old and he came with a lot of anxieties. And then some things happened in his life that created some more anxiety and living in a multi-dog home. It's been a process in helping him learn how to feel safe and be appropriate and make good choices in our household. So a little bit on Riker, the things that make him anxious are dogs barking. He's quite sound sensitive to dogs barking, which makes sense considering he came from a kennel and he is afraid of intact male dogs. And of course I had an intact male dog when I brought Riker home. He is also afraid of sudden movements, things that fly through the air, um, anything that's unexpected or surprising startles him. And when you live with border collies, often things move quickly. So that was really hard for Riker. <laughs> what, what does his anxiety look like? Like, how can you tell he's anxious? It can look like a lot of different things. Riker can hide and shake and tuck his tail. You know, the stereotypical, everybody who looks at him knows he's afraid. He's shaking, his head is down, his eyes are big, panting, tail tucked between his legs, hiding in corners. It can look like that. It can also look the opposite. So he can aggress if there is something scaring him and he doesn't feel that he has the option to leave, whether or not he does have the option, he doesn't think he does. He can aggress upon the thing that's scaring him to try to make that thing stop. It can look like barking, lunging, snarling. It can also look like pacing. He does a lot of pacing. So that's when he wants something but he doesn't know how to access it in a safe way Riker will pace so do you find your other dogs agitate him and he would be better as a solo dog or do you think sometimes it doesn't matter he'd be this way anyway I strongly considered rehoming Riker because I wasn't sure I thought that particularly after he needed four knee surgeries and which meant he couldn't get the exercise and mental stimulation he needed. He was in a lot of pain. He was on a lot of medications. And particularly after that point, his anxiety was really, really bad. So at that point, especially I did consider rehoming him. Um, he has some other behavioral issues as well that made the idea of rehoming him maybe not that easy. He has anxiety about resources, uh, sleeping. So he has something called sleep startle. If he's sleeping and something startles him, he can wake up in a quite a rage and bite. So we have to be careful about if his anxiety is high um, and that, that plus resource guarding. So if he stole a bone or if he stole a food item or a toy that he thought was pretty special, he will bite in order to protect that item. So I didn't feel safe rehoming him with those behaviors as a part of the package. That makes complete sense. Yeah. And plus he's so stinking cute. And he's my <laughs> and he's my only cuddly dog. He likes to curl up and you know he he wants to sit on my head. 
He wants to be on me all the time. And I just love cuddling with him. So it would, it would break my heart to rehome him. But if I thought it was best for him and that there was a perfect home there when things were bad at home, yeah, that definitely would have been something we considered. But luckily things got a lot better at home. (laughs) You've gotten a good handle on this. So how do you think Riker's anxiety affected the other dogs before you did get a handle on it? It created a lot of stress. Most of the behaviors, him hiding or him avoiding, didn't bother my initial dogs. It does stress my young dog out, though. He His pacing worries my young dog, who also has some anxiety. So I have to, A, if, I have to keep an eye on it. If he's pacing, I, I really need to look for what it is that he needs and help him at that time. But I particularly have to make sure that I keep an eye on that and give him a give him some help so that my young dog doesn't then have a reaction to his pacing because that's really hard for her. And then we get them feeding off each other and then things go sideways real fast. <laughs> for, sure, for sure. So what were some systems you put into place in the early days to keep everyone comfortable and happy together? At first, it was just a lot of expense. Everybody has their own safe spaces and the border collies were not permitted to wrestle inside. So until Riker was comfortable with them just being and hanging out and doing some activities with me, I limited their really high intensity activities to outdoors so that Riker felt safe inside. We all have a right to feel safe in our homes. And that was important that he have that safety. And then we layered things back in as his skills developed. That makes complete sense. (laughs) Definitely need calm down time with anxious dogs. And we don't want to be triggering them all the time. That's pretty important. Did you ever have issues with dog aggression between the dogs because of the anxiety? Mm, No. That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) Luckily, luckily my other dogs are all quite stable and very responsive. I've worked very hard with all of my my other three dogs, particularly um, in creating some very, very strong obedience type skills, sit down, go to your bed. These are very, or hand touch. These are very strongly, highly reinforced behaviors in my dogs and they can perform those skills even if other stuff is going on. So when I would see Riker starting to ramp up, step one is everybody on a bed or everybody sit. And the other dogs all had the ability to do that even though they weren't sure about what was going on with Riker they could still respond. So I was lucky in that because I can interrupt and stop them. And then they had a thing, a job to do while I helped Riker. That is a good, good thing to say, because oftentimes when I'm talking to people about their dogs, their multi-dog situation, one of the things that comes up is making sure that your current dogs in your household have really strong obedience and general skills before you add a dog. Because if things do go off the rails, you have those to fall back on. Yes. I, if I didn't have those skills on my other dogs, I don't think I would have been able to keep Riker. If his aggressing onto a dog would turn into full-blown dog fights where someone could get hurt, I think at that point I would have chosen that, that it wasn't a good fit and he wouldn't have been able to stay in the house. Yeah, that makes sense. We want all the dogs in the home to be safe, no matter what. Uh, And if, if you have done it properly and you find them a good place where they're going to be cared for and kindly treated, dogs adjust really well to being rehomed. I'm not 
opposed to rehoming, even though it would break my heart to give up one of my dogs. If it was in the best interest of the dog, I think that's okay. And we, we need to allow people, people and dogs deserve peace at home. And if that's what the journey is for that family, then I'm not opposed to that at all. Yeah. We want quality of life for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the people sure. count too. Yeah. <laughs> I had a situation once with a young dog who had um, a medical issue that was making him aggressive and I temporarily rehomed my other dog to my mom, um, mm-hmm. which was easy because she had lived with her before. And that was because her safety was at risk. So for four months, she didn't live with us. And I was in a nice situation because it was a family member and I could get my dog back. Um, But (laughs) it took the edge off of everything so I could focus on the dog that had the severe need. And I didn't have to worry about the safety of the other dog. So there's those kind of options can exist too. It doesn't always have to look like, you know, a Kijiji ad to a random person. (laughs) talk about rehoming it it doesn't have to be that way sometimes it's a good friend that takes them temporarily sometimes it's a good friend that takes them forever because they're soulmates Mm -hmm. yeah yes there's there's um currently if I did choose to rehome Riker which I'm not considering at this time um I have a couple of people who you know are waiting in line they're like are you sure you want him we could take him (laughs) because he's he's quite a little character he's a lot of fun he's He's a fun little dog Mm -hmm. Um, you've done a lot of hard work with him though yes and um on that note he is on medication for his anxiety Mm -hmm. so we did try a few natural things and we worked with my vet and a vet behaviorist and we tried a couple of different drugs that help him one of them worked but it also sedated him so then we tried another drug and that works really well it just improves his quality of life and his resiliency so when he does get upset, he calms down faster and he's less likely to get upset in the be- in the first place. I mean, he's at the point right now where if I'm out training agility with the border collies, he has three times in the last couple of weeks come out and crash the party. Like, excuse me, I'm here, my turn. <laughs> Which, you know, fast running dogs, balls, lots of energy and barking going on out there. So it's, it's really fun to see how he's growing and his confidence is growing. Uh, and then all the border collies get to sit out while Riker gets to play. <laughs> <laughs> so when we talk about medication, though, for anxiety, which I also would recommend, depending on the situation, for sure. When you mentioned when you first tried medication, it had a sedation effect. Why would the reason be to move off of that? Like what what made you want to explore more? So he was on the medication and it's, it helped with his anxiety. He wasn't as reactive. He was recovering well. Um, but the, he stopped playing with his toys and it was gradual. So he was on that medication for, oh goodness, probably eight months. I'd have to look it up, but I'd say eight months. And at one point I stopped and I went, wait a minute, he doesn't play with his toys anymore. And so that was concerning to me. And that's when I went to the vet behaviorist and said, okay, what, what can we do here? And she recommended that we switch to a medication in the same family So it works on the anxiety, but the side effects will be different. And now Riker is extremely playful. We play with his toys daily. And he's been on this medication, um, I would like to say, probably for, again, 10 months or so. And he's doing amazing. I have no plans, no plans at all to take him off of this. Actually, it's coming up a year. No plans to take him off of this medication 
unless he gets to a point where I don't see any anxiety at all. There are very few side effects and I don't mind for this little guy who went through early trauma and being a sensitive breed that he is and all this stuff that may or may not have impacted his anxiety, but um, I don't mind keeping him on these medications if it improves his quality of life. Absolutely. I think sometimes we don't go to them soon enough, to be honest. hundred percent. There's a lot of stigma around mental health, the people and dogs, and there's nothing wrong with asking for a little bit of help. And if that help comes in the form of medication from your veterinarian, I certainly wouldn't self-medicate, <laughs> but you really want to work with a vet or a vet behaviorist on that and find what works for your dog. So what would you say to someone that's going to the vet um, to look at medications and their vet is really not super comfortable or unsure about what to do? Like, how do they move into getting a vet behaviorist? Typically, you get a vet behaviorist referral from your vet. So if you're talking with your vet and they're not sure or they haven't had a lot of experience in this field and we're getting better, a lot of vets are getting more um, into the field of behavior modification medication. So it really depends on your vet, but if they're not comfortable, ask them for a referral either to another veterinarian that they know that specializes in behavior or to a vet behaviorist. It can be, can be really hard to get into a vet behaviorist. I was lucky to have access to one through some work I was doing. Um, but don't, you know, you, you don't have to just have one vet, just like a doctor. If you go to the doctor and you have something specialized, you'll go to a specialist in that field. And it's the same thing for veterinarians. They can refer you up to people that are more specialized in behavior if that's not something they're comfortable with. Absolutely. So I think that's really important information for people to know exists um, hmm. when they're getting help for their dogs. A lot of um, dog sport people and breeders that I know when they have a dog with anxiety will go to the pet store and they'll buy a calming supplement or they'll go to the vet and they'll try a med and it doesn't work. And then they just kind of give up. And they go, oh, this is just the way it is. So it's nice to know that there's other options for people. <laughs> they really want to pursue it because we really do have to consider quality of life with these dogs. Oh, for sure. Quality of life is the most important thing. If the dog isn't getting what they need, we need to figure out how, what kind of interventions we can put in place so they, they can get what they need. And mm -hmm. for anxiety, that's often medication. For, for severe anxiety, I mean, if it's a basic there's sometimes it's just training or learning to communicate. Um, but often if they're calling one of us for it, it's not just a, a regular basic problem that they have. Yeah, exactly. So when we're looking at anxiety in dogs in general, I think we should cover what that could present as um, in other cases. So not just in Riker's case. So mm -hmm. what kind of behaviors do you usually see with anxiety? <laughs> oh, so many, uh, a lot of aggressing. So uh, leash aggression out on walks is a common symptom of anxiety. Uh, ref refusal to eat dogs that don't eat their meals. That's often the case for dogs living with anxiety or a dog that you put the food down and the dog will literally get up in the middle of the night and eat. Whenever I see those types of behaviors, those are big red flags for me. The other ones might be pacing, drooling, destructive behaviors at home. Yeah, I've had a dog that was a quietly anxious dog. 
Mm. And I've had a few clients have this happen. So nothing really stood out, was great for exercising, easy to walk, uh, would still play if I initiated it. And that's going to be the caveat there. If I initiated it, um, was eating fine, but she wasn't moving around the house freely anymore. She was kind of sitting in the corners. It was subtle. And it turned out in that case, she was having anxiety and it was correlating with pain. So we went to the vet, which was good. But the anxiety continued once we managed the pain and it was still, those behaviors were still there. So it wasn't anything major. We weren't having dog fights. We weren't having a dog that was growling or resource guarding or off her food, but her behavior had changed. And I, Love that you talked about Riker not playing anymore because it's a very subtle thing that people miss that can be an indicator of a really big problem going on with their dog. Mm -hmm. Especially as they age because, oh, he's grown out of toys, you know, easy, easy to just make, make reasons for why we're not seeing the play or the activity that we used to be seeing. I love that you mentioned that your client dog that was, not doing things anymore because we can think about stress in a dog. Some dogs stress up, they get loud and active and other dogs stress down where they get slow and quiet and hide. And some get really friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there is a stress signal that we generally refer to as goofy, but it'll be look like baby puppy play behavior sometimes. Yes. And in certain breeds, we see it more often than others, but it really looks like play. So, and the other one that's often missed, I find is displacement sniffing. Yeah. So with my pointer that I had, um, displacement sniffing was major for him. We'd go into a venue to train like an agility ring and he would start sniffing really hard, but he was a hunting breed. So it didn't, it took me way too long to figure it out. It was a stress <laughs> response and that was his only indicator. Oh, well, he's lucky he had you to keep an eye on things and to learn about him with him. Well, I was lucky he had a big community to point it out to me (laughs) for that one. Um, So when we're talking about anxiety, we do need to take into account that anxiety can create behavior problems that can be pretty significant. So we talked about aggressing a little bit as a symptom with anxiety and aggression. Is there a time and place when it's not safe to kind of carry on? Oh, a hundred percent. So what would that look like to you? Because everyone's different. We're going to acknowledge that right now. Yes. Every home is different. And this is where I can't look at any home client and say, this is too much for you. It's always this point where you have to decide because you and your family and your dog and your friends and your living situation are unique to you and your dog. And so these are all choices that are made uh, on a case by case basis. And nobody can make that choice for another person because nobody else is living in that person's shoes. So for myself, I want to know, is anyone at ser- in serious risk in the home? And that applies to the cats in the home, the dogs in the home, the people in the home, the visitors to the home. If there is a significant risk that someone could be seriously injured, at that point, we have to really sit down and, and make some choices or make a plan to see if we can make it so that everyone is safe in their home. Absolutely. 
One of the things I have people do when they're going through this stuff, because it's, it's really emotional and it should be because we love our animals is I have them make a list of kind of what their hard lines are ahead of mm-hmm. them. So that if you have an incident, you're not trying to be logical in the incident time. Cause that's really hard to do. Yeah. So if you make a list of saying, you know, if my dog were to significantly bite my child, for example, and that's a line where you're like, Oh, we're past our point of coping. And you've made that clear in advance. It's easier to deal with it when it yes. happens or if yeah. it happens, it doesn't always mm-hmm. happen. <laughs> so having, having that kind of plan in place beforehand, I think is important. And it also allows you to communicate with your veterinarian kind of what you're seeing and what's unacceptable so that they know and they need to be on board too. A great vet with a great relationship with your vet is indispensable. I'm lucky I have several great vets that I have great relationships with. And when I'm going through all of this, the first thing you do when, whenever you have an issue with your dog, should we talk to your vet? Because a lot of anxiety and aggression issues are caused by something is physically wrong with your dog. Yeah, I found that too. There's often a medical reason. And sometimes you can have a vet clear your dog and say they're totally healthy and uh, they're, they're not, it happens. Vets Mm -hmm. aren't perfect. They're typically general practitioners they don't specialize in every facet of dogs either. So if you feel like something's wrong, keep asking for help till you get it. Mm. And I don't think people should live being held in hostage to their dog's issues either. No, hundred percent is, is a really difficult thing to handle in a lot of dogs. Yeah. As trainers, I think it's probably the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's always a lot of, um, We have to consider everyone's quality of life. And if someone is no longer dating or having friends over or going for walks, that's important. And that's an important part of the big picture that we need to evaluate what's whether or not this is the right home for this dog. Yeah. And I think we also have to look at the other, the other dogs in the home pretty Mm -hmm. closely. Like in the case where I sent my dog to stay with my mom, um, she, she was terrified. She was hiding in my bathroom. She was scared. So even though she hadn't been seriously injured by the other dog at all, we had no vet visits or anything like that. Um, we had no, no wounds. Um, she was terrified and that's not fair to have yeah. her live in kind of space at all, which is why we did the temporary removal, why we got veterinary care for the other dog. So when we're living in multi-dog homes, and if you have a lot, a lot of dogs, it's really important to kind of analyze how this anxious dog is going to impact each and every one of your other pets. Yes. So, <laughs> because this has been kind of a dark topic, you should tell us um, all about the good things with Riker because he's doing really good. Oh, Mr. Riker. Um, so Riker doesn't enjoy fast, big dogs. They worry him. So we have found him a little group of we call them the small dogs and we go on small or senior dog walks. And so we go hiking where uh, he is the big dog by double. <laughs> so that is so much fun. He runs and plays and he's just having a great time. And that's something I really look forward to him. He and I, we have one-on-one time together. So we go for a run. We have a little three and a half kilometer loop around my neighborhood that we do together and he gets to sniff on everything and he meets dog friends out there and he chases some squirrels he has a lot of fun 
And at home, he's working on nose work. It's been really fun. I give him a lot of choice. And when he was in the hardest parts of his anxiety, if I pulled out my training gear and went to my training area, Riker would avoid. And now (laughs) he's pushy and I love it. So whenever I pull out my training stuff and go to the training area now, he's usually the first one there. He's on a platform, he's on his bed, just dancing away, waiting for his turn. He's learning tricks, he's playing some disc, he's doing nose work, he's doing all the things at home. And I'll, I'll never ask him. He was competing at one point in his career, but I think that was unfair to him. And so now he'll just be doing those things at home in the yard or in the house. And he's having a lot of fun with, with all of that. Yeah. He's having a really good life. He's getting to do all the things he should get to do now. Oh, and my very favorite thing that he does (laughs) and um, people might be appalled at this, but I love it (laughs) is because Riker has anxiety around food. Um, He wasn't fed well before I got him, and that may or may not contribute to it, but he um, has a lot of anxiety when I'm eating and the other dogs are nearby because he's worried they're going to take his food and he'll starve to death, I think. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably not at risk of that, guys. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, how he feels is important here. So whenever I'm eating, I press push out a second chair at the table and Riker (laughs) sits on a chair at the table. So I have my breakfast or my dinner. He doesn't, he's not on the table. He just sits on his chair (laughs) beside me. And when I'm done, I give him a bite and that's his little routine. And he feels safe. He feels elevated so that the other dogs won't step on him. Um, And his little smile when I'm eating and he's just sitting there as cute as can be waiting for, he knows I'm going to give him a little snack at the end. That is a spoiled boy. I know. He is. Oh, and he sleeps in bed with me, you know, um, until my husband comes to bed because we can't, he still needs to sleep in a crate. So, but Riker gets to sleep in bed with me. If I'm in bed on my computer or or reading, he cuddles up with me. And then when my husband comes, he just trots out and sleeps on the, on the couch or he'll put himself in a crate or wherever he wants to sleep. Awesome. So he's had like a really good news story, even though you've been through all the years of hard stuff with him. Mm-hmm. He's about to turn seven mm-hmm. and we got him when he was a year and a half. So it's been a journey, especially with the surgeries. Things got really bad with his, all of his surgeries. Yeah. yeah. It's hard when we get dogs that have random health stuff pop up because it changes yeah. the expectations we had in mind when we got them. Oh yeah. I mean, I got Riker thinking he would be, with me in agility. I wanted a small dog for sports. It was going to be the cutest. I had a freestyle song picked out for him. Pretty fly for a white guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's not who he is. And that's not what he needs. So I had to let go of that. And that was a bit of a process for me too. Yeah, I think there's a grieving process that can happen, even though we make it out of the storm with our Mm -hmm. dogs. Our intentions are not (laughs) <laughs> met our expectations yeah. are not met the way we want them to be <laughs> well I think we did a good job covering anxiety today I'm sure we're going to talk about it a lot more because anxiety presents in so many different forms um, and we can just kind of scrape the surface of it and it 
I mean, when we're talking in our, our discussion topics about reactivity, obviously anxiety is usually linked in with that. And we see it with barrier stuff and resource guarding and all those big topics in the dog world. So it won't be our, our only chat about anxiety. No, um, you know, seeing as we keep multi-dog homes, I'm sure one of us will be going through this again soon. <laughs> It's been a slice today. Thank you for sharing Riker's story. You're welcome. Thanks for chatting. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you'd like more information, don't forget to check out our website, our Facebook group, our page, and our blog posts. 